0: Welcome back to Bitcoin and the Bible, and we are happy to bring to you another one of our roundtable recaps, where we look back into the recent news and publications and bring a Christian perspective to the things that we see going on around us that affect the church, Christians, and Bitcoin. Hey guys, we really have a, an interesting set of articles to think through tonight, and uh, these are not new articles. Uh, some of these are old articles that we've pulled from some past archives, but one of them is relatively new and. I thought it would be helpful for us to, to think through these articles for a simple reason. The articles in question are Christian critiques of Bitcoin. And so Christian critiques of Bitcoin, as I said, are not new. There's been multiple instances of these. The article that we're talking about tonight, which is entitled The Christian Case Against Bitcoin and Blockchain, and was written by an author, author in the UK and published on his blog and then through social media and has definitely been brought to us by a number of our, our listeners who would love to hear our opinions and our uh, critiques of some of the arguments that he makes. And I think the biggest reason why I would love to hear us talk about this tonight is that I know that in the future, as Bitcoin continues to move and expand around the world and particularly within the church, I think it's important for us to to give people the framework of how do you read a critique like this about Bitcoin and make sure that you're staying f- true to the truths that you've learned whether you've learned those truths from listening to us or whether you've learned them by reading and doing a lot of your own work we don't want you to be confused Uh, we don't want you to feel uh, lost Uh, in in encountering these we want you to feel confident that you can uh, go do the work and understand whether or not these critiques have any relevance there so with that i'm gonna pose this a couple of questions just to get you guys rolling here so the first question I would have for you as you look at this particular article, the Christian case against Bitcoin and blockchain is is there anything that you agree with or that you believe is commendable in this particular article?
1: Yeah, if I can find it, hold on.
0: <laughs> David's wheeling in his typewriter.
1: Clack 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 clack. All right, I must have scrolled by it. Hold on. Ah, here we go. Well Simon in the in the article he talks about biblical faith as not being a leap into the dark to engage in risky and possibly unethical behavior while praying that God will bless you. Uh, neither is it uh, you can do miracles when you believe, as Disney put it. Rather, faith is trusting that God will do what he has promised to do as written in the Bible, and therefore being enabled to do what is right. And I, and I think that's that's good. That's a good working definition. I think it, it corresponds with with uh, what the writer of Hebrews would say in, in uh, Hebrews 11, demonstrated there in the life of Abraham, of course, that God spoke to Abraham and and Abraham believed God's word and acted appropriately upon it. And so rationally uh, upon it, even as, uh, as the author says here in his critique. So uh, I don't have any gripe with that at all. That encourages me to believe that uh, I'm going to have plenty of opportunity to talk with this fellow uh, someday in the millennium. A brother in Christ.
0: Yeah. I, I love the fact that he is claiming to be a Christian and is trying to address Bitcoin and or cryptocurrencies from a Christian perspective. And so from that point, if he is a truly a believer and has been saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then yeah, I, I want to see this guy in the kingdom and I want to I hear him out. And as you pointed out, David, trying to make sure that you stay true to what the Bible says about faith is a great starting point. And uh, we would agree with him in that perspective that Christian faith is rational. It does give you the perspective to measure things that are going on in the world around you against a standard for absolute truth, which is God's truth.
2: I think he also makes a good point. He talks about positive outcomes are not a justification for unethical investing. So the um, he points out that saying, I made a lot of money or I made a lot of money and I'm going to give it to the church or a charity. Or, I made a lot of money, so now I have more time to give to my family, prayer, God's work. Or, I made so much money, the sight of my bank account causes my heart to fill with overflowing praise to God. None of those are, are valid arguments for unethical investment. No matter what the returns are, if the investment was unethical, it's unethical gains. It's, it's dishonest money. So I think that's a solid thing to point out. <laughs> Unfortunately, he was completely unable to apply that clearly and accurately to Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. So without diving too deep into his arguments here, I'll, I'll just preview a couple of them just to point out one more thing that I think I agree with him on. Actually, I think there's two more things that I, st- I still agree with him on. He's critical of Bitcoin. I think that the, we've made that point initially clear. But one of the ways in which he's critical of Bitcoin is that he kind of classifies that the behavior of people who trust in or believe in or who invest in Bitcoin is kind of a cultish-like behavior. And uh, he kind of attributes one of the ra- reasons for that accusation to how people in Bitcoin land tend to read and or follow on social media people who they find compelling advocates for Bitcoin, whether that's Saifedean writing the Bitcoin Standard or Michael Saylor, the CEO of MicroStrategy, et cetera. And I would agree with him that one of the things that ev- all of us should be very careful about, including those of you who are listening to us on this podcast, is not never basing your trust or your belief in something based upon a, a person, a man, a fallible, sinful human being who can and will fail and who will often sometimes make mistakes in how he articulates something, right? It it is important that you not be tied to a personality, even if it's a very compellingly articulate person who can who can make the argument for something like Bitcoin in a way that you find compelling. You should always stop and go back and measure what you've heard or read against truth and test that truth with opposite arguments to make sure that you're understanding something appropriately well. Which is why Bitcoiners say,
2: don't trust, verify.
0: Yeah. And applying that consistently uh, throughout your, your study. So that's part of what we're doing here tonight is encouraging you to not just trust us in our re- uh, rebuke of this, but also to, to go verify for yourself whether or not what this man has said is true or what uh, he has uh, cited in his article is true. Now, the last thing I'll give him credit for, before we start diving into some of the things that we're concerned about, is that he does have a fairly decently solid understanding of the evils of alternate cryptocurrencies, right? The non-Bitcoins of the world, extending to things like Web3 and so forth, right? And I think NFTs and some of the other things that you've heard us talk about in the past and earlier episodes of this definitely have a lot more issues associated with them. And, And this author gets some of that right. But then he makes the error of kind of associating Bitcoin in with those alternative cryptocurrencies and taking their errors and foibles and associating them across the aisle, so to speak, to Bitcoin.
1: Which demonstrates that he hasn't done a sufficient level of work with Bitcoin to truly understand what it is and why it's different.
0: I think this really points
2: back to the moral case for Bitcoin maximalism. You have to understand that Bitcoin is not like all of the other cryptocurrencies and if you can't differentiate why in your mind, then you're susceptible to falling prey to these uh, to these same logical missteps of of presuming that all of the cons and scams you see in all of these other altcoins are present in Bitcoin as well.
0: Yeah, I agree. Okay, guys. So there's there's several key things that we noticed as we read through his article that he gets wrong that are just blatantly wrong and and false and contradictory in ways that are completely evident if you've done a basic amount of work to read and to contra- and understand the, the arguments that are made against Bitcoin, right? So let's dig into a couple of those. I think the first one is that he notes that Bitcoiners claim that, that Bitcoin is sound money, and then just completely dismisses the possibility that Bitcoin could have any utility or place in the conversation as sound money, right? He made the statement, which sounds good, right? That real work that is worthy of wages, is distinguished by loving your neighbor, by doing something useful for other people or society in general, and then just basically ignores the reality that Bitcoin does have this tremendous utility as a store of value and or as a medium of exchange or censorship-resistant money that a person can hold and own, right the equivalent of a digital form of private property, right? All of these utilities that we've walked you through over the past couple of months as we've gone through our survey of the Bible and, and demonstrated that money does have value in the sense that it provides a way for a person to store their energy and time in a way that protects it and preserves it in the future. That is its utility. And and Bitcoin goes beyond that in terms of making payments easier across space and time across this world. So his claim that Bitcoin doesn't even come close to being sound money is just completely false.
2: He extends that even further and asserts that when it comes to Bitcoin and other crypto assets, as far as anyone is able to analyze it, it's a strongly negative sum scheme. So not only does he think that it doesn't provide any real substantial value, he goes so far as to assert that it is a negative upon the world. And as you pointed out, Simon, you have to throw out everything. You have to throw out the fact that we now have a monetary system that's not subject to government debasement. We have the fact that we have savings technology for the unbanked around the world. We have um, a, a monetary system you can't be cut off from or a, um, a system that you can be just forbidden from taking part of in the first place. We have to presume that all of those things have no value and that the existence of Bitcoin is a negative upon the world. Yeah, I
0: think one of the arguments that's the most laughable is how much faith he puts in our in our current banking system. I mean, I, obviously we are looking at our own situations in the current world today and I don't think you have to be a Christian to to see that the banking system has been exposed as the fraud that it is, right? The reality that they're not protecting or preserving your money, right? They're protecting and they're preserving their assets, right? Which are your IOUs, right? The other side of the debit credit ledger, but the reality or the the hypothesis that your money is safe in the banking system has been exposed. And for him to cling to that reality and basically say, no, you're basically missing the boat here. Banks are are some of the most helpful, useful things that society has provided to people to protect their assets that you should not be rejecting them, right? You should be embracing them is just laughable. I think the other area that I really want to just encourage you to think as you read through this article is that he makes the point of saying Bitcoin is a cultish behavior. I think we should be careful in our definitions there, right? Uh, What is a cult? A cult is a group of people that have organized themselves around an idea that is contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ as the means by which a man can be saved, right? It's it's offering a, a, a way of salvation that is completely opposed to the way that scripture has provided. So to classify bitcoin as a cult is is going way too far, right? If you're saying that there's cult-like behaviors being exhibited by the people who believe in bitcoin, that's that's one way of saying it, but to classify bitcoin as a cult or those who follow bitcoin as a cult is is really an ad hominem attack that that extends the argument far beyond its intended purpose there.
1: It seems to me just kind of thinking about his arguments, his energy argument that as he says the most well known is the amount of electricity wasted especially for anything involving proof of work consensus algorithms just even the statement wasted is a value statement it's not a it's not a statement of analysis and people who responded to his blog post some said well what about christmas lights is that a waste as well i mean when you get into those kind of value statements of the use of electricity for the modern world and to say this use is a waste and that use is legit betrays nothing but just a personal preference in in the use of those things i think the other thing that he says that uh, stands out for me is that he said that all crypto assets uh, live by faith if the market stops believing that a certain crypto asset is valuable then it immediately ceases to be value It has no value other than and as entirely speculative financial asset and and so forth well, that, that's that's an, the argument for intrinsic value, which value is always subjective. It's always in the eye of the beholder, and and any money uh, retains its value only as a, as long as it's trusted, because it, it represents the, that medium of exchange where people are willing to exchange their labor through this through this medium, because both sides of the transaction trust it. But when one or other of them trust it, then then the currency begins to lose its value and that's classic hyper, you know hyperinflation the basement of the currency and the world is is replete with examples of currencies that were once trusted and are no longer trusted and in fact don't even exist any longer so so that kind of an argument is really a two-edged sword that cuts just as quickly in the opposite direction towards the US dollar or the or the British pound or anything else i would agree with
2: him in some sense that crypto assets live and die by faith, but that's among speculative holders. That's among people who don't really understand what Bitcoin is. Bitcoiners don't live and die by faith. Bitcoiners live and die with Bitcoin with an understanding of the monetary properties of Bitcoin. They're not selecting Bitcoin just because they have faith that it's going to succeed. It's because they have an understanding. They've done the work to understand the properties of money. They've done the work to understand that Bitcoin appears to be all but inevitable as the, the the money that will become the global dominant store of value. So to select Bitcoin, it's not faith, it's understanding.
0: Yeah, and, and I think that that's where I would encourage many of you to uh, draw upon your Christian beliefs and understanding and, and begin applying similar principles, right? When the Apostle Paul speaks to the believers in his churches, right? In one of the epistles in the New Testament, he uses the analogy of moving past the phase where you need milk, to moving on to, to eating meat, right? Indicating your di- digestive system has improved, it has matured, it has grown. And now you're no longer needing the simplicity of the nutrition of milk, and you can handle the complexity of the real nutrition of meat, right? And and that's our our hope and our prayer for many of you, is that as you've gone through the seasons that we've put together, that you have matured in your understanding of Bitcoin, And you understand exactly what Will just pointed out to you, that Bitcoin is not a faith proposition of this speculative, I'm going to roll the dice and hope that on the other end of it, my money has grown 10x and I can hop right back into the safety of of a US dollar and move on to the next phase of investing in my life, right?
1: Right. Then you're a speculator and you deserve to get wrecked.
0: Yeah. And I think that too many of the critiques of Bitcoin kind of stop at that threshold. They, they they see Bitcoin as just this kind of guessing in the dark based upon past performance that, that somehow it's going to increase the potential for someone to accelerate their wealth and then get back into the safety of the dollars that they hold. And we come at it from completely the opposite perspective. We see Bitcoin as a true measure of work, as a way of storing value and something that has a, a permanence or a, an ability to, to sustain its power over time, right? Nothing on this earth is permanent, but holding value over time is something that very few monies have done well. And we we believe that Bitcoin has that capacity, which is why we're able to to look with perspective at the short term up and downs of the price movement and the long term, the big picture as societies change and as as monies change around us. And I think that's where I just really see the, the fallacies in his argument. In his second part of his ar- argument, he makes the the claim that, that Bitcoin is basically the, the boon for criminals, those who are seeking to find ways to, to use Bitcoin for money laundering coming into this. And again, it's just, that's the argument that completely falls on its face because you can see right around you in the world, noting the reality that that Bitcoin is not an ideal money for laundering right? The, the US dollar is, the cash is, and and Bitcoin has has moved past that stage of its development where people believed that it was only good for those who were seeking to do no good, right? It has now moved way past that to become a standard critical part of infrastructure at the individual retail, personal, corporate, and now even nation state level. And to, see, to not see that maturation process and understand that what is changing in front of your eyes is that people are recognizing that the money that they hold in their hands does not store value very well, and therefore they need to find something that does, just completely misses the boat. And
2: there's a total, um, it's a blindness. So you, on the one hand, he'll make the argument that, oh, Bitcoin is the tool for um, for ransomware. And that sounds good to just say that and move on, but if you, you stop and you think about well, People who create ransomware are pragmatists. They do use Bitcoin, they like Bitcoin. Why? Because it can't be seized back. Right? It's it's digital bearer asset that they can uh, they can hold and no one can then go get it back from them. So they see the value in it. So while you may not like what they're doing with it, they're just pragmatists. They're selecting the money that is going to best work for their use case. And you might look at it and say, "Hey, you know what? I kind of agree with with sentiment.
1: It's, I, it's better than a suitcase of hundred dollar bills. Right. I, I want money that can't get
2: seized away from me or can't get revoked or or clawed back.
0: Yeah. I think he just to finish up this point, I think he he sees irreversibility as a feature of a, a blockchain or a cryptocurrency, but then he concludes that it is absolutely a feature that you don't want. And I think that's where we fundamentally disagree with him, right? I, I what I don't want is the legacy system continuing to provide ways for individuals to be bailed out of their financial foolishness. I don't want ways for businesses or banks to continue to be uh, supported uh, through never-ending debt. Uh, and I'd also want, I want accountability. I want people to be accountable for the money that they hold and to have the freedom to do so without the fear that someone is just going to print a replacement for the money that has been stolen or, or taken away from them.
1: I want a hard cap. On the money. I want to know what portion my money represents of the total picture. So I so I know where I stand. And I don't want anyone to be able to change it. And I don't want anybody to be able to change it. I don't want to be able to change it and I don't want anybody else to be able to change it.
2: Right. I know that I will never have the power to to hold the keys to the money printer. And I will never be able to alter the the supply
1: of global money. Nor would I trust myself with that with that kind of power. Right.
2: So I can either be part of a system where someone has you know, access to the printer and it's not me, or I can be part of a system where nobody has access to the printer. And it's, it's
0: a no-brainer, which one I want to be a part of. Good. Well, then, as we think about this article, as we just kind of sum it up for you guys, uh, what I don't want you guys, what I don't want our listeners to do is to go out there and say, well, the Bitcoin and the Bible guys said, don't listen to this guy, don't read the article, right? We trust them. We're not asking you to trust us. We're asking you to do the work of understanding what money is, what Bitcoin is, and how it can help you and your family. And from a big picture perspective, these types of articles are going to continue to be out there. And so therefore, for your benefit, read the, the ones that you need to read to be able to understand the arguments that are being made, and then rest in the God, in God's sovereignty of your ability to reason your way through arguments that will be made like that in the future. These articles will not go away. And, and frankly speaking, they will continue to be uh, passed around. Uh, evangelical communities, Christian communities, as Bitcoin continues to spread and to grow, and so if you can help others who are going to fall into the same traps that this article has laid for Christians who are not willing to do the work, then be willing to help others. But, but again, don't help them by saying "trust me." Right? Help other people learn to do the work of of verifying the information that they are receiving and measuring it against the standards of God's truth and God's word as the ultimate standard for truth and then ultimately good sound reasoning for what money is uh, as a ma- means of understanding Bitcoin and its place in our current financial system.
2: As you read through the article, if you see things and you're like, oh man, I, I never thought about that. I, I don't understand the answer to this objection. Awesome. You just found a spot where your knowledge is lacking. Go study it. Go, go research it. The answers are there. And it's an opportunity for you to shore up your own understanding so that you can answer these objections.
0: All right. Well, that was a great recap. Guys, I really enjoy these episodes because I really think it helps us to think and engage with the culture and engage with the arguments that are being made and continue to go back and make sure that what we are saying and what we are believing and what we are using is is benefiting our own families, but also as much as we can benefiting the church. And so with that, we would just like to also provide a little perspective on how the Bitcoin of the Bible podcast is changing. Uh, we are coming to the end here of season three. So we've We've been at this now for three seasons, well over 25 episodes, and uh, we've really enjoyed our walk through scripture and making sure that we can make the moral case for Bitcoin and compare that to God's word and be confident that Bitcoin meets the standards of God's will with respect to money, economics, work, value, and so forth. And so uh, we are undergoing some life circumstances changes, a couple of us are getting ready to to move. And we have a lot of uh, a lot of things on our plate right now. So we are going to bring our weekly uh, cadence of shows to a close here. We're not promising that we're going away forever. Uh, we we may come back and and revisit some of the topics that that come up in the culture with respect to Bitcoin and Christianity. Uh, but we are planning to conclude season three and, and commend our work to the Christian community as a means of educating yourselves on Bitcoin, starting with episode one and taking... Uh, yourselves through season one understanding what Bitcoin is and and what money is and then comparing that to God's word in season two and then finally dealing with some of the more common objections and concerns that the culture raises in season
1: three. Simon, I think we have made our case. We have made our case that God cares about money, that there is moral money and there is immoral money that moral money is based on work is not based on the ability to be conjured out of thin air. You've tested Bitcoin against the scripture, we have found that it passes, it, it succeeds in, in meeting the, the hurdles that the Word of God puts forth for money and basic economics. And so from my perspective, I think we've accomplished what we originally set out to do. And, and I commend the entire uh, three seasons to someone to follow us through with an open Bible and an open mind. And then at the end, see if, if you don't think we've made our case. Yeah, we have had an an absolute blast walking through these three seasons with
2: you guys. We've enjoyed the dialogue. We continue to enjoy the dialogue. We're not going anywhere. I'm just still going to be on Twitter and and, reach out if you have questions and love to hear from you. Uh, I don't want to dilute our message. I think that we all agree that we have successfully made the case or we feel we've successfully made the case. And we don't want to continue to try to churn out an episode of of the week if it's not going to going to further that message. So we would rather uh, have a, a more condensed
0: form that's, we believe, powerful and potent and and is able to, to really help people understand these topics. Yeah. And so as you work through the content, we would just encourage you to embrace the reality that, that Bitcoin requires work, work and education. And as you encounter Christians around you who have not yet learned about Bitcoin, encourage them to do the work. If they go back and listen to our podcast episodes, there's about 25 hours worth of work that they can do to start that process. Obviously, there's reading and and work that can go beyond that. But we believe that the conviction to hold Bitcoin for the long term as a savings technology only comes by doing the work of understanding it and truly knowing where it fits within our current system and, and how God has providentially provided us with the ability to do the work now before we have to. I think that may change quickly as we look at the world changing around us. But for right now, you have the choice whether or not you save in Bitcoin. And uh, we would encourage you to to make that choice, but to make so with wisdom. So with that, we'll close out our roundtable recap episode tonight and encourage you to trust God and continue to love your neighbor and saving Bitcoin.